Hi, I'm Marshall Ramsey. For years, I've drawn the most interesting people in Mississippi. Now, I get to interview them, too. Welcome to Conversations Podcast, where I sit down with the famous and folks who should be famous, and we just talk. Award-winning investigative reporter Jerry Mitchell is out of the newspaper business, but he's not out of the business of journalism. Jerry joins us today to talk about his big career move, plus the new book he's been working on for quite a while. Jerry, welcome to the show. It's good to see you. It's good um, to be here. Got to see you for 22 years, and yeah. now now I have to interview you to get to see you. <laughs> so, how you doing? Are you doing used to, you used to not driving to the paper yet? Because I'm still struggling with it. Yeah, a yeah, bit. I'm not used to it either. I just come downstairs for now, but uh, hopefully, eventually have a have a place for our uh, center. Yeah, so you get to, and we'll get into that and talk sure. about that because you've got some really cool stuff going on, and I think it's something that's going to be really yeah. good for Mississippi yeah. too. Um, but yeah. Just kind of the, it's kind of weird though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm like on Facebook, you know, te- hey, it's good to talk to you. I tell you, you know, I tell you who I miss, and I know you miss her, but she's going to be working with you. But she is. It's Debbie Skipper. Yeah, she's working with me. So. Yeah, tell everybody who Debbie Skipper is, because I think the, the world needs to know. Well, absolutely. Uh, Debbie Skipper's uh, the best boss I ever had. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the mother of the Clearing Ledger newsroom for so many years. And, uh, does the work of what three or four people anyway, but uh, she's great. I mean, she has shepherded all all these investigative projects yeah. that, that I've done, and and uh, is, is much smarter than me. I'll, I'll be working on something, and I mentioned to Debbie, so what what, that, what about this? And like, what did I think of that? You know, so it's, it's she's uh, she she does a great job, and right now she's kind of shepherding our our first project, which is about public education. That's fantastic. Yeah, Debbie was the one that I would show my cartoon ideas, and if she started laughing hysterically, I knew I had a good idea, and I loved her laugh. She had the best laugh. She does. I mean, and she was the greatest audience, isn't she? You yeah, know. she really was. Yeah. Okay, let's let's talk back about you for a little bit. Um, All right. Texarkana, Texas. That's where, that's you grew where up. I grew up. That's yeah. where I grew up. That's right. Uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know where that is, that's where they went to go get Coors beer. Yeah, even though they were, it was dry. It was dry at the time. I love that. <laughs> Which, I, when they showed the Smoking the Bandit movie in my hometown, Texarkana, and they said they were going to Texarkana to get Coors beer, the, the audience broke out laughing because you can't get it. In, you couldn't get it in Texarkana, Texas. It was dry at the time. So. Well, talk about what it was like you growing up. I mean, how did you learn to love journalism? You like know, you my mother. Yeah. Uh, my mother uh, subscribed uh, we took three newspapers mm-hmm. plus magazines. So uh, we were, uh, uh, you know, we'd go out to lunch, you know, as a, you know, me and my mom and dad. It was just, that was it. Uh, didn't have any siblings. So, uh, and we go to, to lunch and, and what happened was it wasn't conversation. You read the newspaper. That yeah. was what you did <laughs> when you went to the, when you went to lunch or when you sat to eat, you read the newspaper. And so I, I started reading newspapers at a very young age and, and and when we had a, a career day in, in high school, you know, I just kind of did that. And then and then career day in high school, someone got up who wasn't even graduated from high school that long, got up and talked about journalism. And I, I liked to write already by that point. So I was like, that sounds fun. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, what time frame was this? Oh, this is high school. I was the editor of my high school paper. Yeah. I was the news editor for my college paper. and. And got into journalism because I figured they'd pay me to write. And right. That's what, by that point, I really wanted to. I decided I wanted to be a writer, and and so once I got into the business, I really realized I was much better reporter, yeah. much more talented at reporting, just innate than I was at writing. So uh, it was really kind of interesting the, the 
No, I, I asked about the the time frame because I remember distinctly when you know Watergate was going on yeah, and Jimmy Watergate. and Jimmy Carter and all that. And I remember yeah. for me it was open up the newspaper and see these great cartoons. I was like, yeah, I want to yeah. do that for a living. I mean, just was I mean, that's what it was. I mean, yeah. Woodward and Bernstein. Uh, another kind of thing that was kind of important early on is uh, I had a, like a burned out editor at this little small paper in Texas I'm working for, and he's like chain smoking and <laughs> he's like. Have you ever read all the president's men? I'm like, no. He says, read the book. I told him I'd seen the movie. He yeah. says, read the book. Study how they use attribution. I went, okay. And it was the best advice in journals I ever got in my life. <laughs> I read the book. I studied how they use attribution. Because oh, this is how you can do an investigative story, and I, I had no idea. So the kind of the I always feel like that Wilbur and Bernstein kind of taught me how to how to be an investigative reporter. So if I ever get to meet them, I'm going to thank them. See, but I mean, I got to admit, the first time I met you, it was right about the time I moved to, to Mississippi. I never I hadn't met you yet, but I'd seen you on the screen. So like yeah, yeah. like Woodward and Bernstein, you had an actor playing you, but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't Robert Redford. No, no, it wasn't. It, wasn't it was Redford. Ghost of Mississippi. I remember going yeah. to watch that. Jerry Levine played me. Yeah. Jerry Levine. Yeah, he played the pesky Jerry Mitchell. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, it was you know it was I, I, it was fun. I mean, I, that, I you know. I, I I don't think of myself as pesky, but uh, <laughs> no, no, I have lots of other faults. <laughs> Actually, and, and I've known you for a long time, and I would say just probably just the opposite. You're very dogged now. I mean, yeah, you, I'm very. You, once you lock on to something, you can be quite annoying. Exactly, you, you I know, agree with all at least that. to the person who's trying to hide something well, from of you. Of course. But, yeah. I mean, okay, so you're growing up in Texarkana. You probably never thought in a million years you'd end up in Mississippi. No, had no plans. Yeah, uh, I never planned to move to Mississippi. Once I got to Mississippi. You know, I was thinking in terms of journalism career, yeah. I was thinking, you know, Washington Post, New York Times, right. kind of work my way up, you know, work at this paper several years, another paper, and you just kind of gradually make your way up. And so I, I really thought I'd work here a few years and on to the next place. Uh, but, yeah, uh, now I don't plan to leave. So. How did you make that, how did you end up here? Yeah, well, pretty simple well, I went and interviewed in Dallas and Dallas Times Herald, and and uh, I remember the editor saying, "Well, you should go. Uh, why don't you go work at a smaller paper before you try to come here?" And so, because I was thinking Dallas, I grew up in New Dallas, well, and so he said, "Why don't you go work someplace like the Clarion Ledger?" And I didn't even realize it, but somebody I knew was the editor of the Clarion Ledger, Dave Cabissa, who got me my first job in journalism, yeah. was the editor of the Texarkana Gazette <laughs> at one point. So I, I called David up and. Eventually, a job opened, and I came for an interview and got the job. So, and you kind of looked around and went, "I think I'm going to like it here." I I had so much fun. I was initially a bureau reporter for the Clarion Ledger in Northeast Mississippi. So it's been a year and a half just driving all over Northeast Mississippi and covering whatever. I had the greatest time. It was just it was one day you're writing about this, another day about that. I mean, some of the, I got kind of a reputation for doing weird stories, you know, because I'd find these weirdo stories, like the guy that killed a man because he insulted his dog that was using for dog fighting. <laughs> and uh, I did one about uh, uh, someone stealing a church's Christmas tree and <laughs> the, 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 the Valentine's Day quarrel that led to the guy shooting this woman, you know, like point blank wow. in the head. Uh, but he 
had like a Saturday Night Special gun, and so it was a bad gun, and so the guns didn't penetrate yeah. her her skull. So she was injured, but she wasn't killed. Yeah. And uh, so she got out of the hospital and married him nine weeks later. So it's like, wow. it's, it's stories you can't make up. You know, it's those kind of stories. She figured she could punish him worse. Yeah, way. exactly, by marrying him. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Well, that's... But, I mean, so how did you transition from, I mean, here you were in northeast Mississippi. Yeah. How did you transition suddenly you're right in the middle of, you know, the Medgar Evers case, for instance? Well, I, I started covering courts. You know, I came yeah. down uh, in late 87 and started covering courts for the Clarion Ledger and got fascinated. Well, I saw the movie Mississippi Burning with a couple of ages. This was 80, early 89, January of 89. I saw it with a couple of the movie Mississippi Burning, which is about the killings of the three civil rights workers uh, in Mississippi in 64 by the Klan. And well, a lot of that I didn't know. And so this was all news to me. Mm-hmm. And I, after I got done with the movie, it was like more than 20 guys involved with the killing. I was, and I was finding out from the FBI agents, these guys never got tried for murder. And I was yeah. like, why not? And that kind of blew my mind. And then about a month later... I'm sure you're like me. If someone tells tells you you can't have something, oh exactly, one, yeah. you want it a million times right. worse, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, uh, Mississippi Sovereignty Commission. I started finding out yeah. more about it. There was a state segregation spy agency back during the '60s and '70s, and even the '50s too. But anyway, they infiltrated civil rights groups, did lots of terrible stuff. So I found out that all those records were sealed, and so that I'm a curiosity. Yeah. It's like 132,000 pages of records sealed. For 50 years, the legislature decided this. And so when I found that, I was like, there's something in there. Yeah, when you think in 50 years, that's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's something in there. And so I started developing sources. And that's the key to good investigative reporting, good sources. And you just work on developing them. And so got sources who had access to the files, began leaking me the files. And what they showed was the same time, say, Mississippi was prosecuting Byron Deal Beckwith for killing Meg Rivers, this other arm of the State Sovereignty Commission, was assisting the defense trying to get Beckwith acquitted, and wow. nobody knew that. Yeah. And so that was that story ran October the 1st of 89. Yeah. And then the rest is history. Yeah, the rest <laughs> is kind of history. Yeah. But like I said, I mean, there were, there were bits and pieces, like, um, I mean, the, the part about the gun. Yeah, that was yeah. wild. Yeah, tell us about that. Cause that... <laughs> well, I, I talk about this about in my book, but basically uh, we found out that we got tipped off and found out that the you know district attorney's office yeah. had had the gun. I mean, yeah. they had kind of said that we don't have the gun, and then came back and turned out they did have the gun. They, what they said was that the circumstances had changed. Like they didn't have the gun when they said they didn't have the gun, but that they had gotten the gun. But anyway, whatever. But that was uh, that was what happened. But the murder weapon. I mean, yeah. all these things that kind of had to happen, Marshall. Right. Uh, did happen, and that was what was so amazing. Uh, you know, Merle Evers had the transcript that she had saved, which was critical to right. the trial. Oh, yeah. And um, just lots of things like that. It, it had to happen and did happen, and and the trial happened, and Byron D. Lubickowitz was convicted in February 5th, 1994. I mean, you know, it's, I, and I know one of the things I've always enjoyed about being in journalism is when your work can make an impact. Absolutely. And, I mean, and it, you know, it's not like you were sitting there saying, well, I'm going to do this for this, but it, it had to be satisfying to know, you know, well, yeah, guess yeah, what? Yeah. Guess what? I mean, we kind of cracked open the door here. But now yeah, can, I had no idea, Marshall, when yeah. Beckwith got convicted that this was the start of a bunch of these. Right. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I... 
I hoped there could be other cases. Right. But you got to remember, there was not like uh, a mass of people kind of lining up and reporters or otherwise yeah. uh, suddenly pursuing these stories. You know, when I first started on this, at that moment in time, it just there weren't many other reporters really digging into it. So I, I've had you tell this story before. So That's please apologize, but I still think it's, it's That's right. hilarious. I'm happy. You went to go see Beckwith up in Chattanooga. Yeah, I went to see Beckwith, Byron Little Beckwith, and he lived in right side of Chattanooga yeah. in a place called Signal Mountain. Up on the up on up the, on the hill. Up yeah. on the hill. And um, And you went by yourself too, so you didn't oh, yeah, it's sure. not, okay. Yeah, I went by myself. Very trusting. I, I went and interviewed all these guys by myself. Yeah. Um, the ones that would talk to me. Uh so yeah, so I go up and interview Byron D. Lopeck with spent about six hours talking to him. Absolutely the most racist individual I had any serious conversation with. And just inward this, inward that. I mean and then of course he's a very anti Semitic. And by the time you know we're done, I felt like I needed a bath. I mean, yeah. it was that that kind of that kind of interview, and uh, so it was dark. It was getting dark, and he insisted on like walking me out to the car. Nice. And I'm like, it's okay. I, you know, I think I can find my way. So he walks me out to the car anyway. Gets me out there, blocks my way. He says, "If you write positive things about white Caucasian Christians, God will bless you." If you write negative things about white Caucasian Christians, God will punish you. If God does not punish you directly, several individuals will do it for him. Nice. Nice. That's a nice parting thing. And then his wife had made me a sandwich. Yeah, she made you a sandwich, (laughs) which which technically could have been your punishment. Yeah, yeah, it could have been. You can probably get something to do with this sandwich. I would imagine it's probably still sitting on the side of the road somewhere in. Yeah, I, oh, wow. I did actually didn't. I didn't litter with it, but I, I did okay. throw it away. No, yeah. Good plan. Good plan. Uh, what What was the next case? Next case is the Vernon Damer case, yeah. uh, which I started writing about right after they, the Vernon Damer family contacted me right after uh, uh, Beckwith was a, was uh, indicted yeah. in December of '90, and so it was a few months after that they said, "Hey." We loved, you know, so Dennis Damer, who's the son of Vernon yeah. Damer, said, mm-hmm. hey, we'd love to tell you about our father. And so, okay. And so I drove down to Hattiesburg and met with them, and they kind of showed me where it happened and everything, you know, where they hid out in the barn and um, all that kind of stuff. It was amazing, you know. It's like, wow. It just began to open my eyes because I, I was woefully ignorant about the civil rights movement. Yeah. All these killings that are taking place, I just didn't know. I knew nothing about them until right. I started digging into them. Yeah, we've had we had um, Vernon Jr. and Dennis on the show. Yeah, and just I just sat there engrossed for thirty minutes as they told that story. Yeah, and just yeah. Uh, and the and the sacrifices their dad made, of course, for them, oh, yeah. and but the for the the right to vote. Yeah, so, and, so, and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so dad basically died defending the family. The Klan bombed their house, yeah. January tenth, nineteen sixty six. You know, it's on their house is on fire. Clan is firing their guns into the house. Vernon Damer grabs his shotgun, runs to the front of the house, begins firing back so his family can escape safely out a back window. And unfortunately, the flames of the fire seared his lungs, and he died later yeah. that day. So yeah. uh, I thought that iconic photograph of the son sitting there in their air, their, yeah, got, their military uniforms. You know, I here know. they defending the very rights their father died to protect. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, and he had he had six of his seven sons served seventy eight years in the military. Wow. I, but I think that photo is probably one of the most powerful photos in the civil rights movement. 
anyway. How did... So, so yeah, Bowers, I mean, really, because, I mean, so, the, yeah, so Sam the Bowers story about the how guy. you broke it, yeah. Yeah, so Sam Bowers was the guy that, right. that or you know, ordered it, orchestrated it. Um, so, so after the Damer family met with me, they met with the district attorney. District attorney asked interested. Over a period of time, this is, I'm talking about years now, he acts interested. They're digging into it. They're looking at what FBI files they can get. Over time, they got less interested. You know, it just kind of, and they had excuses, you know, said, well, we can't do it because of X. We don't have the FBI files. Yeah. I write a story and the FBI provides the files. <laughs> they still can't do it. I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? It, it just, it's just kind of a series of why they can't do it. And uh, so then another district attorney comes in, the one who didn't seem to have any interest in the case. So it's like starting over. That's when I went to Ohio State was during yeah. that kind of gap of time. And so I'm literally in Ohio in spring of 1997 when I get a telephone call. This guy who wouldn't identify himself but wanted to talk to me, said he had information in the Vernon Damer case. So I met with him. Uh, it was him and a buddy of his, two sons of Vernon Damer. A lot of guns, I think, were there that day. <laughs> I didn't have one, but yeah. anyway. Uh. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and of course... Long story short, Sam Bowers ended up getting convicted. Yeah, wow. long story short is Bowers got convicted. Yeah. All right, let's touch. In, uh, yeah. 90, 98. 98. And I remember all that. I mean, because I was there by then in the yeah. newsroom, and I was, I was just like. That's wild, wasn't it? The, the trial and, and. It was absolutely the most, I don't have to tell details, but it was absolutely the funniest trial I ever heard in my life. It was yeah. deadly serious matter, but right. funny trial. Anyway. Yeah. And, of course, Edgar Ray Killen. Edgar Ray Killen. Yeah. Yeah, after um, Bowers got convicted, I knew that there was an interview that Sam Bowers gave that was in the Mississippi Department of Archives and History, but it was sealed. Yeah. So once again, something once you again, have. somebody tells me I can't have something, uh, and so I developed sources began to leak me the file yeah. or leak me the interview. And in that interview, Bowers said he was quite delighted to be convicted and have the main instigator of the entire fair walk out of court of a free man. It was referring to Edgar Ray Killen. Yeah. And so I called him up. We talked for quite a while, and he finally said at some point, there's some guy in Jackson just keeps stirring things up and stirring things up and stirring things up. And I sent him to the heart to tell him it was me. <laughs> that that'll be a good thing in 50 years to put on your gravestone. Yeah. He exactly. just stirred things up and he stirred things, things up things and stirred up. things That's up. Good. That's good. That. Well, you good know, for that, so. you and I both have, gotten a front row seat on the changes of the media landscape. Oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, things are changing almost every 35 minutes, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, you got an opportunity to take a buyout from the Clarion Ledger. I did. And, and you, you said, I okay, you're going to pay me to go? Okay. Uh, <laughs> exactly. but, but you didn't decide to just go home and kick up your feet. You actually no. had a plan for something new that you've gotten started on. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, I uh, started a nonprofit uh, along with uh, Ian Isaacs, who's working with me. Uh, who's a former hedge fund guy, which helps that he knows people Money's who have important. money. Money's he important. knows people who have money, which is, is just fantastic and is good at raising money. So we um, so we teamed up. We met, what, a year and a half ago, two years ago. And we'd already kind of working on mm -hmm. moving this along. And then this opportunity came up. So I, I kind of did it maybe a little before I'd like to, but it's perfect timing. Sure. Um, and so Debbie Skipper is working with me, mm -hmm. and she's the editor and we're doing a project right now on um, funding for public education. Um, 
we're probably this year going to do at least four, maybe five projects. Uh, and we're we're kind of different from probably other outlets from the standpoint of we want to do this investigative journalism, but it's not so much about building up our own website. Right. We're more interested in getting the stories out so that everybody can read them. Right. You're providing content. And like Correct. I said, with, with newspapers and even television stations cutting back the numbers, exactly. it allows you to provide content to them that they're exactly. like, hey, that's Jerry Mitchell and people working with him. Yeah. That's going to be good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the idea. Right. That's the idea behind it. So we're going to provide free of charge. Right to newspapers, to TV stations, radio stations, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, who's yeah. working with us on, on this Excellent. first project. So it's great. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to it, and it's been amazing. I mean, this is the first time I've ever known of all these various kind of press organizations uh, working together on, on a project, but it's great. It's that really is fun. when I think, it, you know, it seems like with the landscape becoming more and more fractured, exactly. it's kind of nice to have that to be able to tie everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's oh, wonderful, man. and we, we're uh, partnering, we've partnered with uh, Mississippi Press Association. Excellent. We hope to partner mm-hmm. with some other ones, too. Right. You, of course, you've got a book coming out, or it's out yeah. at this point, or it's coming out, or... Yeah, when hopefully is, when's, when's Next, year. Next, next year. Next year, okay. It, it's, it's, at this point, it looks pretty certain. Like it's going to happen. Year. Okay. Yeah. Because you yeah. and I have been talking about this book for 22 yeah, years now, Derek. I've been Come working on. on this book for a while. Um, definitely. I've been working on it way too long. But it kept being more cases, and yeah. then once I got done with the cases, then I had other stuff too. But, right. um, but yeah, it's I didn't have a book deal when I got done with all the cases, and then now I've got a book deal. Yeah. And it's kind of morphed a little bit over time, but it's I'm excited. I'm very excited. About I am it. too. I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It, hopefully, a quick read. It's not. It's just meant to be about. Um, just I, as I put it, sometimes chasing the bad guys. It's, yeah. You know, it's just it's, it's just kind of a fun. Hopefully, I say fun, tragic. You know, all those things, all those emotions hopefully are there. And so you kind of go through it. It's a first person book. So people will be able to kind of follow me on my journey and, and, um, just amaze all these amazing things and, you know, all these amazing stories, all these amazing people, uh, like Meg Revers, like Brian Damer, um, like the three civil rights workers who, who came down and, you know, just trying to help people get the right to vote. Right. Something that you, we kind of take for granted these days. Yeah. Your, your career, people always ask me, what's Jerry Mitchell like? <laughs> oh, he's jerk. No. Uh, no, I never. You know, the thing about you is people, people I said, look, he's actually pretty humble, but he's very confident. Yeah. Obviously, he's had a lot of success, yeah. but he's, he's, you know, they're kind of shocked by that. But it's like, no, yeah. he, he just likes to do it. Not but, as humble as I probably well, as well, I need to be. Well, but. I don't know. You, you, you did win a MacArthur grant. So, I mean, so technically yeah, you, you are a genius. You know, you know, you know, the, you know what happens with this. Uh, yeah. You know, the first time you leave the door open, right? They go, hey, genius, you left the door open. Yeah, well, usually your family's the most brutal on that sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. Hey, you and I are Pulitzer finalists the same year, too. Yeah, we that were. was kind of cool. That was fun. Uh, we, uh, no, it'd been more fun if we both won. Yeah, but yeah. But that was still, well. that's neat. But I mean, you've had a lot of nice honors. Um, some of your heroes have honored you, too. Oh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. been great. Yeah, that's talk about some of, some of those encounters you've had. Oh, uh, with, with Halberstam. With Halberstam? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man, I mean, I'm such a, you know, that was so humbling. Uh, getting to know David Halberstam. Yeah. And, of course, he was friends with Willie Morris, and that's kind of how I met him and began a conversation. And, yeah, I mean, the Chancellor Award, the John Chancellor Award, uh, he got up and spoke on my behalf, and so did a bunch of others. And that was one of the coolest evenings of my life because that was literally all the families of the cases I've worked on were all there. Yeah. And uh, so that was a that was a pretty special. That's I mean that's the fascinating family. that Evers family, the Damer family, 
nicest people on the planet to have they gone are. what they went through. There's, there's no bitterness or anger. I know. You know? I, you know, I think if my dad had been killed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine I wouldn't be angry and bitter still to this day, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, they're, they're some of the finest people on earth. I think about what you said about moving, you know, and I was the same way. I thought I'd be here two years, and I've been here 22 years, yeah. you know. Uh, it's like Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, because you can never, never leave. leave. But the, the, They're really such, talking about Mississippi. About right? Mississippi, yeah. But, you yeah. know, the thing about it, about your career is, and, and I think I've kind of encountered it too, Mississippi gives and gives and gives and gives for what we do. Yeah, it's yeah. a fascinating place. And the, the characters and, you know, I mean, where else can you, I mean, just imagine this. You've got Byron D. Beckwith, this horrible racist, you know, who not only killed Megar Evers, but tried to kill a Jewish leader down in New Orleans later yeah. on. And imagine him, he's a salesman in the Delta, and he's crossing paths with Megar Evers yeah. as he's trying to sell life insurance policies and also trying to register people to vote. You yeah. know? So they're crossing the paths, and, and, and Beckwith looks like he has the upper hand, you know what I mean? Right. And, and then... Megger transcends all that, you know. It's really fascinating. You, you, as as Martin Luther King said one time, one day the South will recognize its true heroes, and I feel like that day has begun to come. Any last thoughts? I uh, love Mississippi. I love being here. I love covering Mississippi, and I, I really hope this nonprofit that we started will make a real difference yeah. for people. Give people a voice who don't have a voice to be able to. Uh, help expose corruption, to help um, people who are trying to vote or learn more about the, their politicians to learn more about them. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, people say, well, he's, he's just focused on cases from 60 years ago. But I think, just to wrap it up, I think Felix Vale might disagree with you on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, of course, he was a, a serial, serial killer. killer. Yeah, that you yeah. helped bring to justice serial on killer. that. So. Yeah. He, Which cussed is, me. he cussed me when he was sentenced, so that's always the mark of a... I would consider that a great compliment, yeah. Yeah, but to say, I hope you have a notebook of how many people have cussed you and what they said. I think that's said. what I'll do one day, is just put, put, put all, the, all, the, all the things that they, that they said about me, a great kill on others that said about me, which is really great. Well, Jerry, I'm not going to cuss you. I'm going to thank you. Thank uh, well, you. Thanks, thank, Marshall, it's always good to see it. you, and thank you for coming and sitting down yeah, with us and I talking today. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks. I'm Marshall Ramsey. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to this podcast to be updated on new episodes. Conversations is produced by Mississippi Public Broadcasting.